Today's episode of The Throwback is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think football tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. joined by Jake Seeley and Brad Ziegler. We have top 10 finishes of all time in week five. We have coaches fired here this morning. Well, a coach. We have survivor pools shredded. Sorry, Jake. I'm right there with you, man. It was a rough week. It was a, I guess it could have been a great week for you. I know people don't care about our teams, but uh, I had a lot of top performances this week and still lost uh, guys I'll start with you Jake any bad beats like I saw some screenshots out there you know 260 points I scored 275 points and I still lost I played DFS <laughs> and I had Christian McCaffrey's 50 plus points Will Fuller's 50 plus points and I still lost and I didn't cash man what a wild week five in the NFL yeah I didn't have any bad seasonal beats I had bad beatdowns and like the one <laughs> flex league like I, I think I beat you in the one and then I lost to Frank Stanfield a friend of ours uh, he destroyed me because he had, I think, two or three of the guys that scored 30, 40 plus points this week. So I didn't have any bad beats where like I barely lost because I faced whatever. It was either I got destroyed. Uh, the Scott Fishbowl was another. I forget one of one. I faced like DJ Chark, Michael Thomas, and somebody else, and it's just it's one of those things. It's, we have a few like one or two or three of these weeks every single year, and it's at some point. But there was no real bad beats. I said the only one was really you know about this in our group text about the DFS. I have never, well, at least that I remember, I don't recall scoring over 150 on FanDuel and not getting any money. I've never, I, I don't think I've ever had that happen before. Uh, yeah, that doesn't happen very often. Brad, how about you? Wake up this morning with any just rough beats in, in fantasy? I didn't. I had, I had, I mean, I had a, a league where I scored decent and got beat, um, but I didn't, all the, the other leagues, I mean, I have McCaffrey in a lot of spots, and so I was off to a good start early in the day anyways, but. My Scott Fishbowl team has McCaffrey and and Tyler Boyd and Will Fuller. Um, I you know I had Jacoby Brissett and Kyler Murray both. Like it, it's I had a pretty good week. I scored two hundred seventy five points and won by about a hundred. Wow. So front of the show, Nate Hamilton. I just want to throw him out quickly. He was he he screenshot his matchup. He was down by I think like one point, and then he won by point zero seven because Jacoby Brissett took two kneels at the very end of the game. Like that is what I'm talking about. Bad beats. We want to have you guys a part of the show. If you were just listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, we appreciate you hanging out with us today. Uh, I'm at Chris Meany. Jake is at All in Kid. Brad is at Brad Ziegler. You can reach out to us if you want. Share some some screenshots. Uh, and if you don't have a subscription at the Athletic, we encourage you to head on over there theathletic.com slash the throwback will get you 40 percent off a subscription to the athletic you can get jake's waiver wire article is going to come out late tonight buy low sell highs this is the time time of the year guys where you know we really will dive into buy lows and sell highs but man let let's get into you know yesterday because you know i mentioned will fuller in a full point ppr league 53.7 points i mean that was the ninth best mark ever chris mccaffrey is on pace for 2,771 yards for scrimmage. Uh, Chris Johnson, of course, has that record, uh, 2,509 yards. Just a wild week. Like four of the top five performances this season came yesterday. Fuller with the 217 yards, three touchdowns. Aaron Jones over 100 yards rushing, four touchdowns. He caught seven passes. CMC does this every week. Uh, it's <laughs> We just bring him up all the time. When, why not? I mean, this guy was unbelievable again yesterday, too. 176 rushing yards, two touchdowns, six catches, a receiving touchdown. And then just Sean Watson goes off for over 400 yards and five touchdowns. Let's start with Fuller. I guess Jake he probably is the most frustrating. I and I know I'm I'm sure when you're writing up your article, 
sell high, he's right up at the top. Always. And what did <laughs> I tell you? Go back. What did I tell you back on the DFS podcast? I said, you guys have been throwing your darts at him for four straight weeks. Of yeah. course, you're going to hit at some point. And everybody, look, everybody was on him. And it was hilarious. I'm sure if you didn't, some people did. Is like when I tweeted out after, I think it was the first or the second touchdown. It was just, hey, everybody's taking their victory laps. Everybody, you know, steal from Scott Pianowski. Like, he always does this when there's like, there's a common chalk is what the word is for it is like you know everybody's out there everybody loved will fuller everybody did everybody said this was the week everybody said but the thing was is everybody was saying it last week too no it wasn't as good of a matchup but you remember it chris and it wasn't just because of the dfs show i'm saying everybody is in the entire fantasy world was like oh will fuller this is this is the time this is when he's ready to get going here and you know look will fuller's going to do this and will fuller i will say on top of it and I'm not doing what everybody's doing like this and taking the victory lap for it, Chris, but I said Kiki QT should be- make this passing game more balanced because they have an underneath threat. I'm not saying that's exactly why Will Fuller did what he did yesterday, but I'm saying it helped, and I would be interested to see if the Texans come out of this game and say, do we want to use Kenny Stills as much? Did they see the same thing I did and think that QT is a better fit for a balance in this offense of what this offense can do? And no, Deshaun Watson is not going to throw 400 yards and five touchdowns every single game. But I just think he fits better in a more complete offense. And there's a side question I want to bring back to you guys after Brad gives his two take. Two cents. Yeah, that- I mean, to to me, one of the I mean, obviously Fuller had the monster game, but it was encouraging to me that DeAndre Hopkins was still able to get some production this week compared to what he'd done the last couple of weeks. I mean, he had seven catches, eighty-eight yards. He didn't score, but I mean, he just as easily could have. And and it's it's finally kind of like what we expected this Texans offense to do. It just took him four or five weeks to get going. There's a chance that this. I mean, I I agree with Jake. This it's not like. Uh, Watson's going to throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns every week. But this is the explosiveness that we've seen out of this offense in, in on paper, the potential that, it, um, that this could be there. And we hadn't seen it at all in the first four weeks. I mean, it was just it was frustrating performance after frustrating performance. And, and then yesterday it was kind of like all that frustration came out and and they just were monstrous. Yeah, they so were, they the were question I want to spin back to you guys, because I spent a good 15 minutes arguing people on Twitter about this, is I you got uh, Chris knows this. I, I think, Brad, you probably do, especially Brad being the player. I hate, 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 hate. He's due. There's it doesn't no, make sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's oh not my, a thing. Oh, I'm so, so glad. Brad's the athlete. He knows yeah. this. Like. I was going on, oh, my God, it's the gambler's fallacy. It's the people, and I said this, it's like, it's the same thing as the, and people tweeted the roulette examples, like, you know, the people, this is how people lose money in Vegas. This is why Vegas is successful, is because they sit and watch a roulette table hit red three times, four times, five times in a row, and they're like, well, I'm betting black, it's due. No, just like in sports, I said, this is the example I gave. If every single pass, this one specific pass, whatever it is, maybe it's a slant, whatever pass it is, let's just say there's a pass that has a 60% rate of being caught by these two players, pick two players, whatever it is, and it's gone 0 for 6. That doesn't mean the seventh instance is due. It just means there's now a 60% chance the very next, every individual play is an individual occurrence that has a 60% chance of happening, Brad. You pitched, you know this. It's just, I, I get so aggravated when people are like, well, he was due. Yeah, it's it is, you know that that's definitely something that happens a lot when, especially in baseball, when you deal with a lot of slumps or or guys that are on oh, hot streaks. Brad, remember also... when Chris Davis was like over seven hundred to start the season, and people were like, <laughs> he's due to get a hit, and he never yeah, really came around. Oh yeah, what, what's, Chris Davis and what you that. never hear is when a guy is really hot, you say like, oh, he's due to make it out. Yeah, like you're like, you're oh, right. you talk about is how much this guy's on fire, and you just expect him to keep hitting, and at some point, like it all balances out. And but yeah, like you're not due. Like you're right. E- each individual pitch or each individual play in a football game has the same probability of success. You know, no matter what happened on the play before, or no matter what happened, you know, a- a- in the last you know two games or whatever. Yeah, it. it good, good point, Brad. You never hear that when a guy's rolling. You That's never true. hear the opposite. Oh, he's due to you know have an 0 for four game and four strikeouts, or he's due to you know pitch a bad game. Like you, yeah, you never, you never hear that. So. Jake, you're right. You and I talked about this on the DFS Footballers show. We've actually talked about Will Fuller, I think, every single week. We haven't said things like he's due, but we have said <laughs> things like, you know, that one big game probably will come. Because if you look at just his career with Deshaun Watson, there's a lot of very mediocre performances, and then there's blow-up games like this. And he actually got tackled on the one twice yesterday. It's it's crazy. Like, he, he could have even had a bigger game. So the most fantasy points ever from a wide receiver – 
Jerry Rice, 65.5 in a full-point PPR league. So, I mean, this is where we are this morning when we wake <laughs> up. Do you want to know what my most liked tweet was yesterday? <laughs> what? I hate Will Fuller. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> and it's I, I've heard Pat Mayo and Gabe Morenci have that do conversation, and Pat freaked out on Gabe once, and he said, listen, I could flip a penny – 500 times in the air. It doesn't have to go heads all the time. Like, it probably will split between the two, but it doesn't have to. Like, it doesn't mean, like, because there's tails 10 times in a row, and you're due. And speaking of Pat, it's like, so, in his... I had somebody come to me, they said, I could flip it, yeah, I think it was a quarter or whatever, it's yeah. like, in an alternate universe, I could flip it 1,000 times in a row, and it can land on heads 1,000 times in a row. <laughs> but if it did 1,000 times in a row here, that means the next one's due. And I'm like, oh my god! After 1,000 flips? <laughs> After 1,000 flips, I think you'd see one. But yeah, I brought up Pat because I, I was in his Pat Mayo experience listener league and if for those who want to play some dfs we're not we don't do a lot of dfs in the show we won't talk about it too much i mean head over to the, and, and listen to the show with jake and i the footballers on fridays but uh in his in his league there's about five thousand people in it and fuller was 40 percent owned like if you had him you you didn't have an advantage on really anybody else you just needed to hit elsewhere so i mean that was the big game like what would you realistically trade you know if you're trading Will Fuller and you anything. own him today, no. anything like, <laughs> no. I mean, you RB2? I, well, well, yeah, no, like, I brought, no, I brought up the QT thing because there's an, there's a chance that you go back to when he was healthy for that stretch run of scoring touchdowns, like a something we've never seen, but like a success rate of Russell Wilson throwing the football success rate of what Will Fuller was doing. I don't think it gets quite back to that, but let's say Kiki QT is in the lineup and that was the fix. I'm not saying it was, I'm just saying that's what my football knowledge and watching. I just think that's the truth. I think that is the fix. Now, let's say it is the fix. Let's say it is Will Fuller's healthy for the rest of the season. Will Fuller can easily be top 20 the rest of the year because of touchdowns. So I say that because if somebody's going to give me wide receiver two, mid wide receiver two value in a trade, it doesn't have to be a wide receiver. It could be for help elsewhere. But if that's the value I'm getting, I'm going to sell because now I've eliminated all the risk of Will Fuller and I've eliminated Kenny Stills getting back into the lineup. If I'm getting anything less than that, I will just hold to, for the upside. Although, I go back to it. You got to do the Deshaun Jackson from years ago. You just have to put him out there every single week and take the three points on the chin when it happens, because otherwise you're going to potentially miss a game like yesterday. And you can do that if it's a, a, your third wide receiver in your lineup, your wide receiver three or a flex play. If it's your wide right. receiver one, your wide receiver two, you don't want those guys that have the the huge games now and then and then disappear. You know, sometimes like Amari Cooper, you know, was prior to this year. He's actually been pretty consistent this year, but but. That's that's not what you want out of your wide receiver one or two. You need those guys to to be pretty consistent production production, and then you have your wide receiver three that's got the high upside, and and you're just kind of sitting there hoping for the big game. That if he has a big game, you know you're going to win. Yeah, um, Matt Ryan again, pretty impressive in this game. Another 300 yards passing. His team is just, I mean, so pathetic defensively. <laughs> it, it, they really are. So I mean, Ryan is. If you have Ryan, I mean, you have yourself a decent fantasy quarterback. He's going to check it like 40 times a game, and like the yards are just going to pile up. I mean, even Julio Jones yesterday didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, three for 42. And Matt Ryan comes away from that game. You know, he threw the ball 46 times and 330 passing yards. So, Jake, you mentioned Russell Wilson. I don't want to jump around too much, but, I mean, <laughs> this guy is, is crazy efficient. He's doing it again. I mean, he's he's up at the top <laughs> with Derek Carr, 73% completion rate. He's He's got 12 touchdowns, zero picks. I mean, you watch the game on Thursday night. That throw in the end zone to Tyler Lockett was just one of the nicest plays I think I've ever seen. It looked like he was just throwing it away. And, I mean, he may tell you, like, on the side with cameras not in his face that potentially he was throwing it away, but there was only one place <laughs> for somebody to catch that ball, and it was Tyler Lockett. Like, what have you seen from Russell Wilson? Because a lot of people in the fantasy community is like, nah, he can't do this again. And he is doing it again. Again. See, and I was one of those people that was hesitant to buy into the touchdown ratio because we've done this before. You go back, you talk, you brought up Matt Ryan. Well, let's go back to Matt Ryan. What was it, 2016 or whatever, where it was like everybody knew the next year coming around it was going to be, well, there's going to be regression because those simple statistics in sports suggest and like, it just is not going to continue. But some players can buck that trend. And, you know, I'll, I'll bring up a little kind of counter argument similar to what Brad did with the whole baseball thing. And why we always say, like, well, he's not he's due to not get a hit. Well, everybody wants to argue how good and talented and amazing and rewriting the position Patrick Mahomes is. How come every single time we bring up Russell Wilson, it's only, well, he needs to regress. He can't keep this going. He can't do this. He can't. Maybe Russell Wilson can. Maybe Russell Wilson deserves credit alongside of Patrick Mahomes and Peyton Manning back in the day in a different style and the fact of, like, this is just who he is. He's that dang accurate. He's that dang smart. And he doesn't need... 45 passes a game to throw 35 touchdowns on the season. 
Yeah, and that's, I mean, everybody said the same thing about Mahomes before the year. Like, he's not going to throw 50 touchdowns again. And, you know, you expect him to regress. And then he came out and, and put himself on a 50-touchdown pace after four games. Like, maybe that's just who he is. But you could, you're right. You could say the exact same thing about Russell Wilson. He's crazy efficient. He runs. He gives you a floor, a, a little bit of a floor with those feet. Um, he's, you know, he just doesn't throw interceptions. And, and with the running game they have and the emphasis they put on the running game, he is an unbelievable quarterback for that offense because they're not going to beat themselves. I mean, if Chris Carson's going to keep not fumbling the ball, then he, they're just going to run over everybody, and it doesn't matter how good their defense is because no one can stop them offensively. Yeah, nobody can stop him. He's just so impressive uh, to watch. One of the – I mean, just how elusive he is and how he extends plays is just it's, – uh, it's off the charts. You know, you mentioned Mahomes. What do we go there right now? I mean, we talked off the top about survivor pools being shredded. You and I, all of us, we talked – bringing it up. Yeah, I know. It, it does <laughs> suck, but um, – um, there's a, there were a lot of people in, in all of our leagues just out with KC losing last night, 11-point favorites, loss to the Colts, and Chicago losing in London to Oakland was pretty surprising, at least for me, uh, surprising for sure. There doesn't seem to be a lot of regression really so far with Mahomes. Like if you look after the first couple games last year, the first few, and, and compared to right now, I mean, yeah, he's 11 touchdowns compared to 14. He's he's ha- He has more passing yards, 360 compared to 318. Um, but this Chiefs team, you know, they laid an egg yesterday. And and Brad, you, you watch them. You're you're in close with this team. Any takeaways? Uh, I'll share some after. But like, what was your main takeaway? Mm-hmm. Obviously, no Tyree Kill away from this team is a different team than last year. Sammy Watkins wasn't a factor yesterday. He's either. I mean, he's making guys like Pringles show up and 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 the box. There was actually three wide receivers who finished in the top 16, zero percent owned in fantasy. So that's the kind yeah, of so, week that it was. But what's your big takeaways from that matchup last night? So the big the biggest thing the Chiefs are dealing with right now is is injuries, and they they lost two offensive linemen last night, and they been playing without their starting left tackle Eric Fisher for a couple weeks now and then Watkins last night was questionable before the game tested before the game they said he was good to go literally two plays into the game he's out of the game and and didn't come back with a hamstring strain so they're at that point without Tyree Kill and without Sammy Watkins you know obviously you got Kelsey but that that allows the Colts to just focus everybody on Kelsey and Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson are are basically your only you know McCole Hardman are your that's not who you want for your number one, two, and three receivers. Like, those are good complimentary guys. Those are not the guys that you have to be forcing you, – you want to have to be forcing the ball to, um, let alone the fact that the offensive line is making him run for his life and he banged his ankle up again, ankle up again last night. It just was a, a really – the Chiefs are in a bad spot right now, and it looks like they might get Tyree Kill back this week, which I think would be huge, just if nothing else, just to get the safeties out of the box up front because they can't run the ball right now because they have no deep threat. And, and hopefully – um, you know, the biggest thing, they, why they don't have a deep threat is not even whether Tyree kills on the field or not. It's that Mahomes doesn't have time when he's dropping back to, to let that deep route develop. He's having to, to scramble right away and throw on the run. And, I mean, the, the touchdown to Pringle last night was just an insane play. They said he ran over 50 yards before he threw the ball. And that's what he's having to do, though. He's having to just basically run for his life before he throws the ball. And, and you know, fortunately – you know, for him and, and, you know, the fantasy owners, he's really good at throwing on the run because he's having to do it a lot. Any takeaways yeah, from that game for you, Jake? Not, not, not much besides what Brad's already said. The biggest thing is, like I said, you, you don't want those as your top three wide receivers as flash as they can in certain areas all differently, all three of them differently. I would talk about Byron Pringle had, what, two catches headed in today or two games? or It was two something. It wasn't yeah. a, heck, a heck of a lot. And, you know, that's just not what you want. The good news is it sounds like Tyreek Hill should be back, but they got a, a great matchup this week. They got Houston at home. And if you want a team to help make you right against a pass defense, it's the Houston defense. And then they have a short week headed to Denver. So that's a little bit concerning because after that, it's Green Bay and Minnesota both at home. And I'm not saying I'm scared of Patrick Mahomes at all. I just, this might be a bumpier year just because although Dak Prescott did shred them in a the box score, if you watch that game, there were some broken plays. The Green Bay Packers pass defense had played remarkably better than they did last night headed into this week. So I'm not saying that's a matchup to be worried about. I'm just saying you get Houston and then you get at Denver, Green Bay, and Minnesota. Those are three tougher matchups than you'd like to see than having faced, you know, Oakland and Detroit so far. So, and Baltimore's defense has been miserable this year. So I think you look at it and say, 
you just got to understand it's going to be a little bit more hit or miss. It's not going to be all glories and sunshine and roses like it was last year. And, you know, but it's still probably going to be the best offense passing wise in the NFL. Yeah, things just worked out so perfectly for them last year. They didn't deal with a ton of injuries. And Brad, like you said, the offensive line is an issue. So what do you what do people do with Shady? I mean, you can't put him in your starting lineup anymore. I, I, like, obviously, no, Damian Williams returned. Yeah, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> but I mean, this is the way he carries the football, but he fumbled and then he really didn't touch the field after that. I mean, but. To your point, Brad, like they're just not having a lot of success running the football. So I think that benefits a guy like Damian Williams and and uh, Daryl Williams, who is on the field as well. Yeah, they're I mean, they're getting manhandled up front right now with with their, you know, number six, seven and eight offensive linemen thrown in the lineup. And they're you know, the Colts, in fairness, the Colts have a really good defensive front. And so they those guys just ate the Chiefs up last night. There's, you know, the the Texans, it's going to be really interesting to see if the, the Chiefs can contain J.J. Watt because there's I, I don't know who you know if he if they're moving him all over the defensive line they're looking for a matchup like if, if the Chiefs don't get Eric Fisher or somebody back this week that that they lost before their offensive line is in shambles right now and they it, it'll be interesting to see if they can even you know like I said give Mahomes time to throw uh, because he may be running for his life but they can't you know if he's running for his life when they're passing they definitely can't run block and that's the frustrating thing because they have a run scheme that should be successful. It's been successful year after year, no matter who the running back is, but you've got to have decent offensive line play to, to block it. And right now they don't, they don't even have decent play. It's just pathetic. I saw this it. is a team that should be on the phone with the Redskins. Yeah. No kidding. For, tra- for Trent, Trent Williams. Williams. Just, yep. yeah. You're just first rounder. Yeah. Just go. It's, I mean, totally worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw you tweet out about Byron Pringle. You're, you're not. I know you were joking. <laughs> I wasn't serious. I know you were joking. But, but in time, deep, like, deep leagues, I mean, shouldn't you just have a Chiefs guy like on your roster just in case like Tyree comes back? Like we know about Sammy's history, like his injury history. Yeah, and even and even if Tyree does come back, they still got to have somebody opposite. And and you know, last night Demarcus Robinson had three catches on six targets, and McCole Hardman had four catches on six targets. Like. Whoever's out there is going to get an opportunity. He's going to, if they're open, he's going to throw to him. And, and, you know, Byron Pringle played well last night. And it's, it'll be interesting to see if they don't potentially line him up as the number two opposite Tyreek this week, assuming Tyreek comes back um, and Watkins can't go. It's, it's very possible that he's the guy on the outside right now. Interesting. So Will Fuller in, in a half point PPR league, 47 points. Michael Thomas, 35. Amari Cooper, 35. DJ Chark, 35. Jake, DJ Chark just keeps showing up. And, and it's so funny. Like, in a lot of my leagues, he just keeps getting flirted, thrown around as, like, trade bait. And nobody wants this guy. But here he is after five weeks. He has five touchdowns. He's got at least eight points in a half point setting, but he's hit the double digit mark. In fact, he's hit the 17 point mark four of his five games yesterday, obviously has that 36 point performance. What have you seen from Chark? And would you sell higher at this point? Like it doesn't seem like anybody wants to believe in him. You just keep rolling him out. I guess is like your flex or wide receiver three. And you just take the points and move on. No, this is, no? this is definitely good. No, no. So I was gonna say, this is definitely one of those times where I am going to backpack myself because I, you're talking about Will Fuller. What I've been doing the entire year, DJ Chark, DJ Chark, DJ Chark, DJ Chark in Jacksonville. He can be the number one, has the talent to be the number one. I said he'd be the number one. I am definitely victory lapping the hell out of this one because I've been trying to trade. You say nobody wants him. I've been trying to trade for him all year long because people, to your point, for some reason don't want to buy into him. I don't know if it's the Jacksonville mystique. I don't know if it's the concerns that they're just going to continue to be run-focused and the passing game can't do anything. I don't know what it is because if we go back to it, you, yes, the play is not there. You can't go look at it. I mean, you could go look at a replay somewhere online probably, but the touchdown wasn't there from last last week, so he could have had a touchdown in every single game so far because he's that good. It got called back on the penalty. Like, DJ Chark is a must-start. As I said, DJ Chark has been a must-start for three weeks now, so I'm going to, yes, definitely take a victory lap on that one. Give me all the DJ Chark. Give me, as I tweeted out yesterday, Chark 2 2 2 2 2 2 2 touchdowns. He is that good. DJ Chark deserves respect, and I'm tired of people not giving it to him. Fair enough. Yeah, he's I mean, this is a, a really good athlete, yeah, and you know he was a second round pick. Like it's not like he just kind of came out of nowhere. It just took him a year to develop. And and Gardner Minshew looks like he might be the real deal. Like that's a that's a good Carolina Panthers defense. He threw for 374 yards and two touchdowns, and he's doing it with. I mean, obviously Shark is turning into a, a legit NFL number one option. 
And D.D. Westbrook is a, is a pretty good underneath option. But it's not like he's got, you know, guys going into the season where y- you feel like, oh, these are elite wide receivers. It's an elite he doesn't have the Rams. Know, talent base around him. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and he's still going out and dominating. And, and Leonard Fournette's looking good. The, you know, obviously they were dealing, you know, playing catch up because of McCaffrey's day yesterday. And, and it was, you know, but it was still, it, he's not, he did have three lost fumbles. I will say that Minshew had three fumbles that, that probably hurt them. I didn't get to see much of that game. Um, at the same time, um, he looks like a legit NFL quarterback and I, it'll be really, I said this last week, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do in, in 2020 because they have a lot of money invested in Nick Foles and this oh, I was gonna say 2019 dude got Wally pipped right now, unless yeah, Minshew has two bad games in a row. Right. At some point, like you, you got to wonder if, if, you know, at a minimum, there's a con- quarterback controversy next year, but if they don't decide to roll out Minshew as a starter and have Foles as a legit backup, like he was in Philly. Yeah, and there's some winnable games up on the schedule, too. Like, they got the Saints this week, fine, whatever. But in Cincy Week 7, Week 8 against the Jets, like, you figure if, if they come out of there with, you know, two of the three wins and you got Houston heading into your bye, and then after that, um, you know, the Colts and the Titans and Tampa. Like, there's some winnable games on the schedule, Week 15 against Oakland. So, yeah, we may not see Nick Foles again this year. Did you bring up Week 15? I did. I did. I'm looking forward. <laughs> this is what I do. This is what I do. I look forward. And I'm looking at the top five wide receivers currently, like Godwin is one, Michael Thomas two, Cup three. Cup is a beast, by the way. Amari Cooper four. Chark, number five. And, by the way, Will Fuller is a top ten wide receiver right now. Um, after one week after really just one week so again, he just pulled the Kyle Rudolph at tight ends at the end of the last year if everybody remembers Kyle Rudolph was like I think tight end 22 going into that last two games and then finishes <laughs> a tight end like 11 or something is so stupid yeah it is a little silly um speaking of touchdowns Aaron Jones my goodness this guy's got eight <laughs> touchdowns on the season now leading the NFL with rushing touchdowns. We've got Ingram at six CMC at six Todd Gurley at five Delvin Cook at uh, five as well Jake, last week they couldn't run the ball at all. <laughs> I know it was like it gets a tougher run defense in Philadelphia, but man, I, there's a couple takeaways for me in this game. As as good as Aaron <laughs> Jones looked, and Aaron Rodgers really kind of not even throwing to anybody in this offense. Like he spread it around a little bit at first, but MVS, where was that big game? Geronimo Allison, where was that game without Devontae Adams? It wasn't there. It was a lot of Aaron Jones. And then I want to unravel what the heck I saw last night from Dallas. Um, but what's your big takeaways, I guess, from Aaron Jones in this offense? I guess with no Jamal Williams leaving the game, it was completely his backfield. But this is what we've been, as as Jones truthers, we've been wanting to see this for a long time. Just give him the rock. And finally, this seems to be the case. Yeah, and you would hope this is the case going forward if you're supporting Aaron Jones. And it doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't want to support Aaron Jones. Because you guys have known, I've said this the entire time. And I'll definitely say I was wrong. But I wasn't obviously expecting a Jamal Williams injury. But the thing is, is the Packers, when Jamal Williams is out there, they just don't go to him. And that was my problem. I, how many times did I say he'll have some of the most efficient touches in the NFL, but I don't trust the Packers to give him the ball regularly. And I think they were forced into that situation. And maybe they come out of this game and be like, hey, you know what? We've been stupid this entire time, including LaFleur, who just did this whole rigmarole with the Titans last year and had Derrick Henry prove at the end of the last year saying, like, you, look, you've been stupid for the entire year. So hopefully now, like, it's week five and we don't have to wait till the end of the year like we did with Derrick Henry. And going forward, it's the Aaron Jones show, even if Jamal Williams is healthy. I think that's the biggest thing is, that, you know, uh, Aaron Jones with no Jamal Williams, Dexter Williams didn't even get involved. Trey Carson, you know, had what six carries and it was a miserable day. So it was more of the opportunity there. And then they got in control pretty early, which helped. I mean, it helped the game script. It helped the game flow. Aaron Aaron Rodgers didn't have to throw a ton. And honestly, I saw this tweet out this morning. I think it was Ian Kenyon. I forget who it was, but that when he was targeting his wide receivers, it was actually just a miserable day in general. And you mentioned it. You know, Jarno Ellison had two catches. Marquez Valdez Scantley had one catch. And it was on I the mean, first guys, drive. It was like the first throw, and he did nothing. After yeah, that. those two guys had ten targets combined. Yeah. Three for ten, just those two. Yeah. And then you include the rest of like what Jake Kumaro with two targets for one catch. So. He just wasn't thrown to the wide receiver. So I worry Devontae Adams comes back, swings things a little bit, even if Jamal Williams doesn't get involved. But I like I think that Aaron Rodgers has more of a hole. That's the one I'm more interested in the fact of like we kind of brought it up and skirted around the issue a little earlier this season. Is is Aaron Jones past being Aaron not Aaron Jones? Is Aaron Rodgers past being Aaron Rodgers at this point? Yeah, and Brad, I know that's how you felt. And and I you know, Jake and I were down on him a little bit, but you were certainly down on him heading into the year. I think you had him like 
fifteen or something like quarterback. You were completely down on him. T- touch on Rodgers and do you want Adams? Because I guess now is the time if you want a Devontae Adams while he's hurt. Like that's the time to buy low. If you're, I mean, after five weeks you could be five and zero. Oh, you could be four and one. And you want some wide receiver help? Like now's the time to get him. But do you even want him? Yeah, I, I do want Adams because when he's out there, and, and they showed this in week four, they will force him the ball. And I think they kind of realized that after the first three weeks, we're not getting him the ball enough. They decided to go out and force it uh, you know, against the Bears, and, and the Bears couldn't stop him. And he was, he was legit. But I, I feel like Rodgers at this point in his career is kind of more of like a, a really good game manager in the NFL. He's going to win you some games, but he's not going to have very many monster fantasy days anymore. That's just... I just feel like that's who he is now, and I felt like that at the beginning of the season. I mean, this game was 31-3 to at one point, and that's the only reason the Cowboys even got any passing you know, yards because the, the Packers got soft defensively. The, the, the Cowboys could not move the ball, and when you have a defense as good as, as Green Bay's is, whenever they're being aggressive and attacking, then you don't have to do a whole lot offensively. You, you can uh, you know, allow Aaron Jones to, to just chew up yards on the ground and get the ball inside the five. I, I think the biggest thing is that, Aaron Rodgers didn't feel like with Devontae Adams out of the game, he's got a great red zone threat. I mean, Jim, I know uh, Jimmy Graham is there and, and he, you know, can be a red zone threat at times, but it's, it's like at that point in the past, when they get down inside the five, a lot of times Rodgers would, would just throw a fade or a jump ball to Adams and, and kind of call his own number. And now he's just like, you know what? I don't really have anybody to throw to with him off the field. We'll just give it to Jones and let him have his four touchdowns because I, I feel like Rodgers in the past would, would, audible to call his own number a lot inside the five and that just didn't happen yesterday and I I feel like that's because Adams isn't on the field yeah Jake I I I don't know if you caught this but I felt like there was some frustrations with some of his wide receivers like especially MVS like there was a play where they weren't on the same page he expected MVS to go and he and he went another way and then you could just see the frustrations like it was a quick little hand gesture from Rodgers rolls his eyes and then he doesn't throw to him anymore it's like I'm done throwing to MVS (laughs) like he's off my radar I'm not looking at him anymore I mean Jimmy Graham checks in with three catches was second to Aaron Jones's seven which is just disgusting I personally expected a little bit more from Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but I, I understand that they were up in that game and they were exploiting the run defense in Dallas. Let's talk about the Cowboys just for a second. Jake, are they slightly overrated? Is this a slap like in the face, like <laughs> check back to reality? I mean, yeah, you play the Giants, Washington, Miami in the first three weeks. You go into New Orleans, you score 10 points, and then you're at home against Green Bay and you can't really do anything. You look at the box score and you look at his numbers. Yeah, Dak Prescott threw 463 yards and two touchdowns. Who cares? Like that guy looked awful in the in the first part of that game. I think, but this is what Dak Prescott, this is the Dak Prescott is the good and the bad. Like everybody who's watched the past two games is going to say, this is the Dak Prescott and this is why we hate him. And this is all the detractors are going to have their ammunition. If you work at the first three games, yes, it was weaker defenses and weaker teams, but you got to beat who you got to beat to use that cliche. And he looked great. Like people were talking about him as MVP and this team's a Super Bowl contender. And all like this is the good and the bad of this team. Uh, there's going to be similar to Amari Cooper is on this team. Like I think Amari Cooper presents this team very well. It's going to be a roller coaster. You're going to have days where they look amazing and unstoppable. You're going to have days where it's like, what? Where did all the talent go? And there was some talk even last night about like Vander Esch having a bad game. Just if you watched him having a bad game, so. I just think they just it was a bad game. I'm not saying that they are definitively the best in this division. I think if you argue today, you would argue for the Eagles. Uh, I don't think that they're out of the playoff contention. I think they are still a playoff caliber team, but they're certainly not, and they should never have been in the conversation of like one of the definitive favorites in the NFC. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And and you know, you hit it on the head. Two two of the first three possessions were inter- resulted in interceptions uh, by by Prescott. So. Yeah, he threw three picks in the game. One of them was late in the fourth quarter. But but he helped get them behind because he was giving Green Bay really good field position with these picks. And and then at that point, when you get behind like they did, they couldn't even use Zeke Elliott. He had 12 carries for 62 yards and two catches. And that's they, they had to throw the ball downfield to have any shot to come back in this game. And Green Bay started giving it to him a little bit in the second half. And so that's when Cooper put up his numbers. That's when Gallup put up his numbers. And, and in reality, like, this game wasn't even remotely as close as the scoreboard showed. And, and I was – I even tweeted it out, you know, at one point. Dak Prescott should have signed his extension after, you know, sometime in the first three weeks of the season, <laughs> knowing their schedule was really light then. He was putting up video game numbers. 
and all of a sudden they're about to face a couple of good defenses. He should have got that money while he while he could because right now I there isn't anything where I would want to be throwing around anywhere close to forty million dollars a year right now after what I've seen. Yeah, it's making poor decisions, and now all of a sudden, like he's got six interceptions in his last four games. He does have the Jets this week, Philly, and then the Giants. Uh, I won't go as far as Week 15. Um, but he's got some easy games on the <laughs> schedule for sure. You know, a couple other disappointing performances. Like, there were a lot of big-time performances from fantasy guys. Of course, you just set it off the top. But there was a couple just dud performances and some some head scratchers, and, and one certainly Mike Evans. Mike Evans doesn't even catch a ball in that game against the Saints. I mean, they put up 24 points. Jameis Winston throws the ball only 27 times, but – Pretty surprising Mike Evans comes away with three targets and zero catches. And then there's O.J. Howard again, uh, another game where he just has one catch in 10 yards. He was heading into the week as tight end 30 on the season. Jake, we, we brought him up a couple weeks ago that, you know, potentially a drop at this point. Like, I don't know, man. I don't own any O.J. Howard, but I can't imagine wanting to start him anywhere. No, he was droppable last week, too. The only reason that he might not be is because you know how I feel about this, and this isn't to be like, oh, look, I told you so, but only for the comparison of what we're chasing at this point of the year. Like I said, you might roll him out there instead. I'd rather roll him out there than Tyler Eifert, and the box scores weren't that different. It was two for 14 for Tyler Eifert and one for whatever it was, 10 for O.J. Howard. So it wasn't, but that's the conversation he deserves to be in, and that's why I bring it up, is not to be like, like Tyler Eifert, even against the Cardinals, did nothing. I don't know that O.J. Howard wouldn't do nothing against the Cardinals. Like, that's where he is. He was droppable last week. He's now purely a desperation matchup play because we have tight ends on buys and tight ends maybe playing in Monday Night Football. Like, you can't wait for one or whatever it might be. Like, the only reason he's even going to be in a conversation for the next couple of weeks is because you're needy. That's the conversation he's in. Yeah, and, you know, when everybody talks preseason how – Bruce Arians doesn't like to use a tight end, and but you know, and then the the reverse narrative was, but he's never had a, a tight end as athletic as O.J. Howard. Well, I, I think we can still go back to the narrative of Bruce Arians doesn't like to use a tight end. Like it's just not he just doesn't. Like maybe and, he did. We just never it, knew. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. But he. But he. Yeah. Like I mean, I, I do think O.J. Howard is going to need to be on a different team if he gets traded or becomes a free agent at some point. You know, looking from a dynasty perspective. I don't want to sell low on him from a dynasty perspective because if he goes to a team, you know, say, say, you know, Travis Kelsey, you know, retires or some or gets hurt or whatever, and and the the Chiefs go and get OJ Howard, all of a sudden at that point he becomes extremely relevant again. But but if he's you know stuck in this Bruce Arians offense, I mean, right now it looks like it's Chris Godwin and nobody, and for whatever reason. It doesn't matter what team it is. They can't guard Chris Godwin. I, I, I was fully on board beginning of the season. My, my bold prediction um, that was my hot take preseason that we did on the show was Chris Godwin's going to outscore Mike Evans. I did not think it would be this disparity. Like, yeah, yeah like it, it's, it's a huge gap right now. And I mean, and Chris Godwin is the number one receiver in fantasy. You, you mentioned yeah. that earlier, Chris. He's, he is legit. I, I bought into that beginning of the season, but I did not think that Mike Evans would just disappear like this also. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I liked that bold take from you, and I was like, ah, Evans is still going to be a part of this offense. But, I mean, I'm sure he will. But he's had a couple of, like, games where it's like, where is Mike Evans? And to your point, Brad, I mean, seven catches for Godwin. Ronald Jones checks in with two. That's the second most on the team. Like, it's just – it's kind of unacceptable. To Mike Evans is still 11 on the year, even with the zero yesterday. He, because of that, well, he had that one big game as well, He had well, one right? game, the yeah. He had one game. huge game. Yeah, he has the three No, no, no. I'm, I'm glad that's exactly so. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, it's no, for sure. I mean, hey. It's, it's like I just wanted to bring up the point of like when people say on a per-game basis and not – versus you should use a per game basis and not versus like what I just said to that right. point like the Kyle Rudolph the Will Fuller's like the, the point of being is like hey he's number 11 okay cool everything's fine uh what you guys both just bring up yeah yeah, yeah you want had, some consistency for sure he had eight catches for 190 yards and three touchdowns in that game and he's got 11 catches on the year so three catches in the other four games like you I, I mean is Mike Evans droppable at this point or you don't drop like, him but he's not a wide receiver one Tyler Boyd skyrocketed to wide receiver 13 yesterday just off that game. Just off that game, yeah. Um, Gerald Everett, like that's an example of a guy that you would – I think I would rather have than O.J. Howard at this point. No? Oh, for it's sure. It's not just one game from Everett. Like on Thursday he had seven catches, 11 targets. A lot of it came garbage time. But, I mean, in his last two games it he's is, got 19 targets now, 12 catches. But it wasn't true garbage time because they were in that game. True. They were, they were right. lost by true. a point. Yeah, yeah. So. but I, when I – you're right. I'll, I'll, I'll bring that back. And it's not true garbage time. It's the fact that I think – the Rams are actually in a lot of trouble because they're not having a lot of success running the football. And if they think Jared Goff is just going to – they're going to win games because Jared Goff's going to throw the ball like 50-plus times, Jake, that's 
that's problems right there. Like, they're not going to be able to win football games with Goff dropping back 50 times. Like, they need a run game, and I just don't know where it's going to where it's going to come from. You could have stopped before you said dropping back 15 times, 50 times. <laughs> like, they're, just, they're not going to win that many games with Jared Goff, period, end sentence. The yeah. telegram has been sent. That's the, like, you know how I feel about Jared Goff. So, uh, but to your point, to go back to Gerald Everett, yeah, I would much rather have Gerald Everett going forward. The first three games were nothing, and we actually saw the Tyler Hig- Higby sighting. But I think that maybe he's in the mix now. That's my only concern is that because it still is Jared Goff, if he's not throwing 50 times, is Jared Everett still seeing that share? Because mm. – at best, he's fourth because I say at best, what about Ty Gurley? Like you can say it's the three wide receivers and Ty Gurley before you even say, do we really even need the tight ends in the passing game? And if you see Jared Goff's concentration in the past, it has been basically those three. So maybe this is at the expense of Robert Woods going forward. But all of these say is like, yeah, I'd rather have him to OJ Howard. But for all those people that are getting hyped after the last two games, if you want to talk about a sell high, like I don't think he's in the tight end one conversation just yet. No, I don't think so either. But I mean, I think that, Goff is just going to continue to throw the ball that often. So, I mean, it could benefit a guy like Everett. And keep an eye on Brennan Cooks. There weren't a lot of injuries from the week, but he is placed in concussion protocol. Sammy Watkins tried to play yesterday, I guess. I don't know. He, I didn't really notice him out there. Hamstring issue. Wayne Gallman. It was two plays. Concussion. He played two plays in the game and was out. Marquise Brown, yeah. ankle, James Washington, shoulder. Wait, you just mentioned one. Kenny still this, hamstring. What's that? No, well, I was going to say the Wayne Gallman one. I, I tweeted this out. It's going to be very interesting to see. You know how rare it is. Yeah. Yeah, short. They play Thursday night football to get clear concussion. Like rarely, ha- who's the wide receiver that did it? I, I've, I've been banging my head against the wall. It might have been Adams. Nelson? I think it was Adams. Was it Adams? Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think I it was, it was Adams. Adams. It was like the first time we ever seen somebody clear by Thursday. Yeah. So basically, ninety nine percent of the time it's not happening. Hilleman is not the answer, and he gets banged up a little bit. I mean, he didn't exit the game or anything, but it's kind of like, well, are you really going to roll out Hilleman and Elijah Penny? going into Thursday night football and do you force Barkley back because I think that's a mistake by the Giants when especially when you have 10 days off and then the Cardinals the very next week I don't care how much Barkley wants to come back I mean we're going to talk about it on the Angel Williams show today D'Angelo Williams is still betting that he doesn't even come back before the four-week timetable because he's had a high ankle injury before but I think it's gonna be interesting to see what the Giants do like at running back and I mean honestly does it even matter if it's not Barkley well Jay Ajayi <laughs> <laughs> oh god stop uh, just sign him for the one somebody game against that. new england and just run him into the ground 30 times somebody said that to me it was like do i hear jj's music and i was like does the ambulance count as music <laughs> <laughs> what do you think they do jake like i don't think barkley plays as much as he wants to i don't think you roll him well, out no. Thursday night against new england this is monday and everybody that's listening like so the giants are on a short week so they're going to get they're not you know most of the players aren't practicing today but they are getting together because they have the short week if you see the Giants sign somebody this afternoon, that you'll have your answer if Barkley's likely to play. Yeah. If they don't, and if they get into Tuesday's practices and they still don't, uh, you're, I'm, you're not going to have a happy Jake on Wednesday. I'm just letting you know that. There's still <laughs> part of me that does care about the Giants to a degree. As much as like I want this team to go 2-14 and 14 and not win another game so we get rid of Gettleman, but we have our future with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, I just I still – don't do this to Barkley. Don't do this to him. I hear Barkley in the background crying. He wants to play. Get him out there. Uh, <laughs> let's move over to another game that was uh, I, not a significant upset. I did think Denver was going to be able to cover, but they go in and get their first win against the Chargers. I, I suppose it was a little bit of a surprise for sure, but I, I just want to talk about the two running backs in Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. So Gordon finally you know, gets some touches. He plays for the first time this season. Doesn't do a whole lot. He did get 12 carries for 31 yards. Austin Eckler only had three for seven, but Eckler was very involved in the passing game he caught 15 of his 16 targets and melvin gordon gets six targets catches four balls unbelievable from eckler just looking at the snap count so 32 snaps for melvin gordon yesterday 46 percent and then we had austin eckler 46 snaps 66 percent obviously gordon's going to get eased back into this role but brad i mean how do you get away from austin eckler and what he's doing in this offense i don't think he can man you gotta get him on the field i mean you can't we talked about it yeah, even when Gordon comes back and, and starts getting the lion's share of the carries, Eckler is still fantasy valuable because he he will still be the receiving back in this offense. He was all last year. He, he's a, at least a flex play, if not an RB2, even with Gordon there. So um, the, I, I, I have no problem rolling him out there. If you could have you know, got, him, got him for cheap before, uh, you know, I don't know that you can now because if a lot of people are going to be like, oh, this is his role in the offense, I'm going to hang on to him. The biggest takeaway for me in this game was how does Keenan Allen end up with four catches, 18 yards on six targets? Chris Harris. When, yeah, but I don't care. I've never seen a, any cornerback in the league one-on-one that could shut down Keenan Allen. Like, you, you, 
He's even done. He's he, done it before, though. The Chris Harris Keenan Allen connection. Yeah, I just, I just feel like at some point, you know, I've seen Philip Philip Rivers force the ball to Allen a lot of times. Like, even if it's a bunch of short targets, like give, just find a way to get him the ball, and they just couldn't yesterday. It just felt like in the past they've 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 run a lot of plays, you know, whether it's kind of like the rub pick plays or whatever to get Allen open, and they weren't doing it yesterday. It was like they were just completely content, you know, you know, shoving the ball to Mike Williams. He had 13 targets, even though he only ended up with six catches. Uh, but and Austin Eckler and and the rest of the you know, they threw, what, six times to Melvin Gordon. He caught four of them, but only ended up with seven yards. And outside of that, there was nothing in the offense. And and when, as dominant as Keenan Allen, Allen has been at times, you, you have to find a way to get him the ball more and take some heat off of these running backs. Yeah, this, you know, if, to go back to the running backs, I still think the best-case scenario, uh, and Scott Barrett was tweeting about the, everything you just mentioned, Chris, the snap counts and all that type of stuff and the work in the passing game and the running game, blah, blah, blah. Still, the best-case scenario is 2013, Ryan Matthews and Danny Woodhead. And Ryan Matthews was barely an RB1. He had 1,200 yards that year, only six, six rushing touchdowns. But Danny Woodhead, 600 receiving yards and six receiving touchdowns. He had over 1,000 yards because he only had 400 rushing. But... I think that's what we're looking at going forward and continue to say the same thing as Brad just did is that Austin Eckler is still going to have RB2 value if you have half or full point PPR. And Melvin Gordon, once he is getting the lion's share, which looks like it probably could just happen next week, he had 46% of the snaps, as you mentioned, and he got the majority of the carries. I think he can get back to that low-end RB1 value, so you can feel fine. I don't want to start both of them if you have both of them, but you could conceivably start both of them going forward. Yeah, I think so, too. It, it kind of reminds me of not so much last year with Kamara and Ingram, but the year before that, it seemed like if you, know, you wouldn't have had both. But if you did, you could get away with it. And there's probably... I mean, the majority of the people listening may have both. I mean, depending on when they drafted, they could have drafted Gordon early and then got Eckler, and now they're in a situation like which guy? Yeah, which guy do you have? So potentially you could play both. But we said last week on this show that it seemed like everybody just wanted to get rid of Austin Eckler, and it was a buy-low opportunity. But, Brad, you're probably right. Like, you can't get him now after seeing the 15 catches and 16 targets. And I wouldn't sell high. I think I would just, you know, especially in a full-point PPR league, you just just hang on to him. Uh, Another I guess confusing backfield. I don't know, Jake. You got to tell me maybe I'm wrong here. I'm almost ready to give up on Montgomery. <laughs> and it's not even, again, it's not even the, the skill set, but it's just the situation. Like they play Oakland, Chicago yesterday, and I figure that Dave Montgomery is going to touch the ball 15, 20 times. Maybe he has 11 <laughs> carries, 25 yards. He finds the end zone barely, I mean, to save the day to get double digit fantasy points. But what I've noticed now from Chase Daniel in limited starts dating back to last year, like 38% of his targets have gone to running backs and Tariq Cohen was kind of a non-factor in the first couple weeks of the season he catches six balls seven targets he's a non-factor on the ground only four carries 10 yards but this is a backfield all of a sudden it's I think it's not becoming a split but Cohen is more involved with Daniel than what he was with Trubisky well he's kind of more involved than people realize until last week where Dave Montgomery got all those carries and it still wasn't even that (laughs) Uh, like, uh, this isn't a victory. It's for everybody. This isn't like I told you. So this isn't a victory lap one because I'm as frustrated as anybody. I want David Montgomery to happen. But what I brought up last week is what did I tell you guys is what if what if Nagy is just annoying as anything and one of these coaches like LaFleur where we sit there and say, how can you be so stupid? I said, what if he comes out of that game and be like, look, I gave you all these opportunities and you didn't do much. And so we're going back to Creek Cohen and we're going back to the split. And that was my concern going to this game. And a lot of people ask me, like, why do you have Tariq Cohen so high? And it's the other factor of what you just mentioned is Chase Daniel goes to him. He played one more snap than David Montgomery did. Mike Davis got four, so he's not really a factor. But it's a split backfield. And Nagy looks like my assumption that he's going to go out there and just kind of see what happens every single week with no real plan for David Montgomery is there. And, you know, that's just the unfortunate, frustrating situation. I think it is time. You should have sold all, you should have sold to me three weeks ago and you would have been fine. I'm glad you didn't do that trade. I don't even remember what the trade offer was, but there's only two wide receivers I wanted in your team and I knew you weren't giving them to me. Godwin and Adam. So. Well, not giving it. it was definitely not from Dave Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely not. So, Brad, you've never really kind of been in on him, anyways. Would you buy low seeing this, or you just don't want any parts of him? I, I don't. I don't. I don't like. <clears throat> I don't want anybody in this offense. Cohen. Cohen maybe as a flex play, especially with bye weeks going. 
Oh, um, Allen Robinson. I want, Robinson was yeah, fine. I, I, it's that's a what two I was going to say. I don't want anybody else outside of Allen Robinson yeah. in this offense. It doesn't matter if it's Chase Daniel or Mr. Trubisky quarterback. And I don't buy into the offense. It's, you know, when Allen Robinson right. balled out yesterday and he has in, in the majority of his games this year. But this offense, Matt Nagy is not a good play caller. He's, he's not efficient running, you know, find a way to move the ball up and down the field. This is against the Raiders, who have an okay defense, but I wouldn't, you know, no one's going to call them a top five defense in the league, and they couldn't move the ball. And they were down 14 nothing early in this game and, and 17 nothing earlier, you know, just all in the first half. And all of a sudden, they, they've, you know, found a way in the third quarter to get some get the ball moving a little bit, but then they couldn't do anything in the fourth down by three. Like they, they could not move the ball at all at the end of that game. And it was just, it was shocking to me that they just, they've got enough offensive talent on this team to, to, you know, even with Chase Daniel as your quarterback to move the ball against the Raiders and they didn't do it. And I put that on the coach. Yeah. You know what the crazy thing is? I don't remember this, the last time I saw this. Alan Robinson played a hundred percent of the snaps yesterday. Impressive. To see a wide receiver get that. Like, I don't remember the last time I saw a wide receiver get a hundred percent of the snaps. Yeah. You're right. Very impressive stuff, and it, that's the only guy I feel like people should start. Yeah, you can't get you can't get too cute with Cohen and and Montgomery. As much as I own him, like I've been starting guys like Carson and Bell. Like he hasn't even sniffed my lineup, and I just don't have a ton of confidence. But it is discouraging after seeing him touch the ball 24 times two weeks ago, and then this week in you know a decent matchup, only getting a, a handful of carries is not good. Kyler Murray, Brad. I know you texted us in the group yesterday. Maybe he will get to that. Hold, hold on, hold on. Uh, let's let's go back to that Bears Raiders game real quick because I want to I want to credit Jake for a little bit because Jake backed off of Josh Jacobs this last week. He wanted to sell him. Saying, now you got to get him. This is yeah. This is against the Bears defense. Like it's a, it's not a good matchup. You know, Jake put him quite a bit lower. I think maybe what twenty three, twenty four among running backs. Maybe not that low, but. But it was down quite a bit for Jake. Jake says the, the biggest Josh Jacobs trumpeter there is. And he was good <laughs> yesterday. He 123 yards on 26 carries. You know, did, mixed in three catches, had a couple touchdowns. Like, that's against an elite defense. And no one's going to argue that the Bears defense is elite. It was really impressive to watch the Raiders be able to control the game once they got the lead, be able to control the game with Jacobs on the ground, knowing how good the Bears defense is and knowing everybody knew the Raiders were going to run the ball once they got up um, and, and try to beat that clock down. And, and he was still able to be productive. So I will tip your hat, tip my hat on that one. And, and Jake, well, you got uh, a touchdown stolen from him too. Like DeAndre Washington did. got the and, one from the one. And to all that credit, I was – obviously too low i mean everybody everybody was down on him but here's the biggest thing and yeah it was i backed off and you're right brad and i backed off because the snap count and against this defense but if you would have told me 69 percent of the snaps yesterday even against the bears he would have been highly wouldn't been an rb1 don't get me wrong i never ranked him that high but my biggest concern i don't know if you saw but i had deandre washington jalen richard in the 40s i mean that's not startable in most leagues but i thought this was going to be all of them in the mix Again, so I, I think it's exciting to see, although now they head straight to their bye, so hopefully John Gruden doesn't come out of the bye and be like, well, that was fun for one game. I'm going to pull in Matt Nagy and everybody. <laughs> yeah, and he comes away with four catches or three catches on four targets is also a positive for sure. And, yeah, his day could have been even better, like I said, because Washington ran one in from the three, and that should have been a touchdown. I know J he left at one point, Jacobs, didn't he, with an elbow? But he can't, I mean, obviously he came back, but, you know, he left at one point. I thought Who do they was, have out of the bye? They got the Packers out of the bye who you can run against, so that's terrific. Yeah, I mean, I thought that too, but Zeke didn't have a whole lot of success, but maybe that was more so on, on down. Oh, that game was skewed from the jump, yeah. yeah. So Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, I mean, his first game against Detroit, he has 13 rushing yards, and he follows it up with four, and then all of a sudden it's like 69, 27, 93 yesterday. He's got back-to-back -back games with a rushing touchdown. He hasn't thrown a passing touchdown in two straight games, but he's moving around with his legs. This is a team that just gets stalled in the red zone. <laughs> this is it. They, they, they kick field goals more than anybody, but that rushing touchdown from Murray, <laughs> they went for it on the fourth down. But, uh, Brad, you have to be a little encouraged to see, you know, Kyler using his legs because I know you were high on his rushing prop, I suppose, heading into the year. Yeah, I, you know, I I said something about he rushes for 1,000 yards this year, and obviously the first couple of weeks I was concerned. But now there's – I mean, if he's going to go out and get 60 to 90 yards a game – that's Lamar Jackson territory. They both could do it. It, it could be this could be a, an unforeseen, you know, something or not unforeseen, but something we have never seen before um, and have two quarterbacks that push a thousand yards rushing. This is his game. When Scram went around, I thought that's what would happen with their their, you know, crappy offensive line. And and, and it is crappy to, to run a little bit. Yeah, it's really <laughs> it bad. Crappy. They can't they can't <laughs> run very much. David Johnson ends up with the, you know, tweaking his back a little bit. And and so Chase Edmonds, came, you know, got the long touchdown run. But Kyler Murray was scrambling, and that's what that's what he does. That's his game, and and 
he was able to, I mean, 10 carries, 93 yards, um, got the touchdown. That's that's good running back numbers. And that's what I I felt like his floor was all the time. And that's why I saw him as a top seven, eight quarterback to start the year, just because of this rushing floor that presents itself. And if they figure out the passing game, it's going to help getting Christian Kirk back at some point. Hopefully that's sooner than later because they don't have anybody else outside of Fitz right now that they trust. And it was, you know, they, they threw the ball seven times to Keyshawn Johnson yesterday. He had three catches, 22 yards. Like it's, it's basically Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson out of the backfield. And, and when Kirk comes back, it gives him another outside threat. And, and then hopefully the, the passing numbers will come too. But he was, he at least didn't, you know, didn't hurt them yesterday. Got his first win, even though, yes, it was against the, the Bengals who were just atrocious, but he was able to, to move the ball enough, um, mostly with his legs to get the ball, you know, get, get them in position to win games. And if he could find, you know, a couple guys in this offense to catch some balls for him, I mean, he probably would finish for sure as a top five quarterback, just because we're seeing the floor from him now. I mean, 25 fantasy points, only throwing 250 yards and no touchdowns. I mean, he only has four passing touchdowns on the year. So, I mean, yeah. if he could just find a way, uh, he would be a lock, I think for me, at least Jake, as a top five guy. But I mean, obviously they're, it's, I think it's too early to say if we believe in Kingsbury, but I'm not completely sold that his offense can work in the NFL, but he, he need, definitely needs some help, like offensively Murray does. Well, and that's the, like my biggest concern coming out of yesterday's game for all the positives, and the good news is they got the Falcons and the Giants next two games, so yeah. <laughs> that's really nice to see. But my biggest concern is for all the positives, we're talking about the Bengals' defense here. Oh, yeah. We're talking about the Bengals' defenses that have just been obliterated by the run game so far that can't stop anybody passing or running the ball, and they still got pressure on Kyler Murray, and they still bottled up a few runs by David Johnson because of the offensive line for the Cardinals, which is what we said at the top of the season. So it's not even the passing touchdowns is the biggest concern. It's just I have legitimate concern of like how much this offensive line is going to hurt them when after those Falcons and Giants, they get the Saints, the 49ers, the Buccaneers, who destroy the run the 49er or yeah the bucks the 49ers the rams the steelers the browns the seahawks to finish out the season like it's two great games and then after that it's oh my god i like i don't want to jump ahead and say it's a sell high two weeks from now but right yeah i mean it's looking potentially like that could be the case unless you know the 49ers p- prove to be a, a, a like a mirage after the first three games that they've had and that game was actually hard to watch Cincinnati and Arizona like mistakes after mistakes like these two teams it was like I was just watching because I want to see win? them get their first win yeah. I was watching that just out of interest do the Bengals trade AJ Green or Andy Dalton maybe more they so. should trade everybody they, they should, should trade, trade everybody. everybody um you know last night they should the, go full Miami Dolphins you, you <laughs> last night the walkout um hear that podcast growling with Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison it's a Bengals podcast at the athletic and it's actually been pretty comical to listen to because those two guys have just, they've just had it. They've just had it with the Bengals. They just, it's time to move on. It's time to trade everybody. And they really want Brad to trade the Bengals to trade AJ green, but they just don't feel like they should. And he's at the start of the season. There was talks about a new contract. He wants a new deal. Like, shouldn't they just trade him? Like, let's just, what, what's, what would that do to the franchise? You're an athlete. What would that do to the franchise? There's really not a whole lot to, take away from Cincinnati when you look at the team if you're a Bengals fan there's just nothing there you want them to lose I have friends who are Cincy fans they want them to lose they were ticked off yesterday when Cincy tied that game like no like like we need to <laughs> lose this game we and AJ is such a big part of the franchise over the past few years but shouldn't they move on from him like shouldn't they just get what they can get I, I mean maybe but I what are you really going to get like I don't know that anyone's even going to trade for him because they're he, he's he's costs a lot of money he's not healthy he hasn't shown in the last couple of years that he can stay healthy I wouldn't, I mean, if I was a, a, I mean, maybe the Cardinals throw a seventh round pick. I don't know what, what kind of cap space they have, but like just to give Kyler Murray another, another weapon at some point when he comes back from, from, you know, health. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything wrong from a, a, you know, as far as like the chemistry in the locker room, whatever, if they want to trade AJ green, it's already, it, everybody needs to realize this is a team that should rebuild. It just kind of signals to the team that it's a rebuild. Um, you know, they're, they don't have a whole lot going right for them anyways. If they can't beat the Cardinals, then they're probably not going to win any games any, anyways unless they play the Dolphins at some point this year. So there's a, a really good chance that we could see two 0-16 teams this year. And, you know, I don't know what, you know, whether it's whether it's Washington or Miami, I don't know who's going to win that game on, you know, this week. But but whoever loses that game has the best shot to go 0-16 on the year. And I could, I'd put the Bengals right there with them. So Jay Gruden had said Sunday morning that I guess it was Sunday after the game that if his key worked, he would show up to work. And his key does not work because he has been fired. <laughs> 
And I guess they just saved the embarrassment, Jake, of potentially going into Miami next week and losing. <laughs> said, you know what? If we lose that game, whatever. Gruden is gone no matter what. So he's fired. I don't know. Do they make the change to Haskins? Do they keep rolling out Colt McCoy? Does it even matter? Uh, I don't think it even matters. But you would think that you know, if you're kind of saying, well, we're going to go play for this year in the future against the Dolphins at the Dolphins, it's kind of the, it's a road game. It's at the, arguably one of the worst teams along with the Redskins and the Bengals in the league. So why not roll them out there, similar to what the Giants did with Daniel Jones on the road against a good matchup-wise, pass defense-wise against the Buccaneers. So I think it's a perfect situation, but I'm not going to say it's a guarantee because I have no idea what the hell this team is doing. The funny thing was is, I don't know if you saw this last night, but somebody that works over at SiriusXM that we know, Chris, is was tweeting that Jay Gruden was out at a bar saying he got fired. And people were like, yeah, whatever. This is some guy just report like whatever. Like, of course, what it ended up being true. Like, I, I don't know if he really was at the bar saying he got fired, but I mean, it kind of looks like it was right at this point. There was some some notification that came to my phone Sunday morning. It was some old video service of Gruden. Um, I don't know. Apparently, he was just all tipsy and drunk in these videos or something. I didn't even bother watching it, but um, you know, you know, I don't know if that was part of the reason that he was let go. They obviously needed to make some sort of change. But Brad, oh, no, I, Brad, I almost too. feel I'm, like I'm so happy. This is my pick for the first coach fire this year. Yes, yeah, same, <laughs> same, and and you know, I it's fair, but. Is it fair? Because, Brad, look at Washington, and I, I know they needed to make a change, but this is a team, since Gruden has been there, he hasn't had a lot to work with. Yeah, that and that's true, but if he, I think this, has, this comes down to more than just the on-the-field performance. I think this is a rift between the front office and him because the report came out a couple days ago that he did not want to draft Dwayne Haskins and that Haskins can sense that Gruden does not want him there, does not want to you know, really develop him. Because that's not his guy. And if, if that's the case, then they might be looking to get him out of there, get a coach in there who is on board with their first-round pick, some development, and and trying to make him their franchise quarterback. And to me, it's like, you know what, If once that's, that became public, you almost can't go forward, uh, you know, without it. Because I, I do think they roll Haskins out this week, uh, assuming, you know, assuming Keenum is not back. I don't, I don't know what that status is, but uh, um, I think they roll Haskins out and they say, look, like, like you said, we're going to give you an easy, easier defense to go against. This is a, a better situation than throwing him out there against the Patriots this week. No one thought that was a good idea, and obviously Gruden didn't either. But now they, they, had, they might be able to put a coach in there who believes in Haskins, might have been on board with drafting him in the first place, and say, okay, we're going to roll this guy out there and try to do everything we can to make him successful. They've obviously gotten... You know, Terry, Terry McLaurin has turned into a monster. Yesterday, he was three catches, 51 yards. That was more of a product of they're going against New England. No one's going to have a good day. But they he's proven the first few games. He can be a legit number one receiver in this league. And then you put him out there with his college quarterback, and you've got to think that connection could spark a little bit. I, I, I say I they say turn they, a page to him, don't they, Jake? I mean, Miami right now and then San Fran, you're not going to throw him in week eight in Minnesota or week nine in Buffalo. No, no, no. So, so I was going to say they have their answer. They've actually been grooming. I think they, they already know. I think it's O'Connell. I think they've been grooming him because O'Connell actually has ties to go back to college to the whole um, Chip Kelly offense system. And some similarities to Dwayne Haskins and the offense that you want to run with him and using his ability. And so I think this is. I think they already know who the answer is. I think, um, I think it should be, and I think it will be O'Connell, and he'll be given his opportunity. Obviously, if they go 0-16, and he looks like he can't get anything changed, even if, you know, maybe you can have a positive one, 0 and 16, but if this team just looks miserable with him at the helm, but I think he's going to get the opportunity. That's at least my opinion, and that's from kind of some of the things that you heard from doing the Washington Huddle sh show down here. Um, I, so I own Dwayne Hoskins in a deep two-quarterback league, and I was just funny. I was looking him up to see what his ownership was, and I know it was nothing, but I was looking it up, and then I saw the blurb from Roto World, and I don't know if you guys saw this on Thursday, but it was like, this is the quote. Like, Gruden said he wants to see how Colt McCoy and Case Keenum respond after a day of work, unquote, LOL. <laughs> I love Roto World, and they just throw out the <laughs> LOL. Um, it's just I always just take it shots at guys. It's funny. On the way out, anything, Jake, from like a waiver wire, like a sneak peek from your article? I know Chris Herndon is available in leagues. You can go pick him up. We talked about Gerald Everett. How? There's, yeah, I know. There, there's not a – I mean, maybe Robbie Anderson is <laughs> hanging around. Have, like, people keep asking, like, should I pick up Chris Herndon? I'm like, have you seen tight end? Do you realize what Chris Herndon could be? Like, yes, Chris Herndon could bust like O.J. Howard. But, like, seriously, why are we still asking about picking him up? 29% uh, is ownership on, in Yahoo leagues. It is. And to be honest, like, look, 
Byron Pingle is going to be on there just for the fact that Sammy Watkins is out. But as Brad said, don't get too overly excited about him because if Tyreek Hill is back, it's still going to be Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. And speaking of squeaky wheel, I, I got to imagine that maybe he's not going to do it in the public like Adam Thielen did. But right. Travis Kelsey needs to find the end zone next week. I'm just saying. Yeah, he had 10 targets last night. They just were at some point once Watkins went out, like I said, I think he was just getting blanketed. Um, I, I will say I saw this on Deadspin just reporter. The Washington Post reported that Gruden was actually summoned to the team's facility this morning at 5 a.m. to find out that he was fired. So I'm assuming the report about him Drunk. at the bar last night wasn't true. But, like, they call him in at 5 a.m. Like, you can't even that's, – that's, like, that's almost disrespectful. Yeah, like, especially if he was up all night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly i mean well, he, maybe gotta, maybe he, he just think. knew i mean that's that's always possible yeah well yeah when you get called at 5 a.m and it's to to go meet with the owner and the gm then yeah you you probably know at that point no i i i gotta say you know we've taken some victory laps i think we can all take one here on this show for being in on guys like the games that we expect are gonna happen like we were in on that mike evans like it's happening guys Devonte adams it's happening guys adam thielen it's happening guys so maybe just stay tuned to wednesday's show maybe there's a guy out there who's been struggling and we can help you out uh, on the way out I just told you travis kelsey sure travis kelsey <laughs> um on the way out 49ers browns who wins jake uh, Browns surprise people. Browns. I, I don't believe in the 49ers I'm yet. I'm in on the Browns as well. 49ers favorite. Do you agree, Brad? Yeah, I'll go 49ers in this one. I, I think their defense is pretty good, and I think this is the George Kittle breakout game. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. All right, from Brad Ziegler, at Brad Ziegler, Jake Seeley, at All in Kid. Make sure you check out his waiver wire article. It is going to release at 12.01 tonight at The Athletic. If you are not a subscriber, theathletic.com slash the throwback will give you 40% off. Not only will you get all of Jake's rankings and articles, every podcast, you'll get absolutely everything at The Athletic, a fantasy basketball draft guide set to launch here soon. So for myself, Chris Meany, enjoy the game tonight. We'll catch you all Wednesday.